and welcome to the Property Unleashed podcast with me, Mark Fitzgerald. It's fantastic to have you joining me here today. If this is your first time joining me, where have you been? But if you're a repeat listener or subscriber, then welcome back. I'm joined today by Tony Fares, and he is a fantastic property investor. He has a letting uh, letting agent, estate agent, a sourcing business, and he remarkably managed to get hold of 34 properties in 36 months. So this guy does not mess about. Welcome to the show, Tony. It's fantastic to have you on. No, thanks for bringing us uh, the invite, mate. It's, it's good to speak to you again. No, no, it's always good to see you. I speak to Tony quite a lot on the pin circuit where we go around and we do a lot of presentations and we talk at networking events as well. So having a chance to be able to catch up on a one-to-one sort of level is uh, is really exciting for me. So can you just uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, mate? Uh, so my name's Tony Fares, as you said. I'm based up in Newcastle, the real north. Uh, I've been in property since 18. Um, I'm 35 now, so I feel like I'm ready to retire. It's been a, a tough old 17 years, as everyone will know. Um yeah, I suppose that, that, that's the main things. So, I mean, for you, if we go back to, I, I always like to sort of go back to where you started out because, you know, we, we, we don't always fall into this sort of property investing. You know, like it took me a long time to, to actually, you know, work out that I could get out of the corporate world, that there are opportunities out there for me. But everybody has their own starting point, if you like. And your, your starting point, your background was obviously quite young at the age of 18 and things. but you know, how did you get started at that age and stuff like that? Because I always think it's it's remarkable at that age to be able to, I, I would have never had the inkling to do so when I was 18. So how was it for you? I think the main thing was, is a bit like most people, I was absolutely addicted to homes under the hammer, grand designs. and But I'm also colour blind, so I couldn't have went off to be an electrician and done something with property. So, And I always had quite a good kind of head for numbers. So originally, I actually wanted to be an accountant. But then the more I researched that, the more I realized it was a boring old job and I'd be tied to a desk. Um, so I kind of wanted something that was property, but that involved numbers. Um, so I applied to do a degree in estate management at Northumbria Uni. Um, couldn't afford to move away. First person in my family to ever go to university. I uh, had to work all the way through uni just to support my studies. Um and I actually missed the grades in order to get in. So I was quite lucky to actually get in as well. Um, but managed to pass that degree. Um, I've done estate management. So I was actually originally training to be a chartered surveyor. It was an RICS accredited degree. But I just never wanted to write reports and argue with you investors about a down valuation and have to write reports. Because that's the boring part of the job, isn't it? The admin side. Um, I love the meeting people. I love, you know, helping people buy their dream home, sell that family member who's passed on to them, move abroad, build a portfolio. It was the people side that I really loved. And I was a bit of a Dell boy at school, you know, so I used to buy and sell sweets on the playground and different things like that. So I think I was kind of made to go into a state agency, to be honest with you. Um, so the dream wasn't actually to be a chartered surveyor, and I was probably the only person on my course who didn't want to be one. The aim was actually to open my own estate agents one day. Um, so I suppose I, I worked for a, a lot of the local agents um, and auction houses. I spent around about 
six or seven years working for them. Probably carried out around ten to twelve thousand sale and rental valuations. So safe to say I've seen a few properties in my time, good, bad, and ugly. Um, but I actually got laid off, believe it or not, because they didn't want to pay his commission because I'd done so well one month. <laughs> and I thought, this is no good. If someone doesn't want to pay his two, three grand commission, when I've absolutely broke me back for the business and they made hundreds of thousands of pounds that month, then I thought, I've got to do this for myself. I've got to get in charge of my own destiny. And if I put an hour in, I know it's an hour towards my own potential and fulfilling my own dreams. So I remortgaged my flat. I pulled £10,000 out. Uh, went back to live with my mum, um, having not lived with her for a long time. And I knew I had six months to make the estate agency work. And I was either going to still be there in six months or I was going to be going back with my tail between my legs working for another agent. Um, thankfully, I'm now, you know, nine and a half years in or something. So I'd like to think it's gone quite well. Um, I actually left the estate agents um, when I started investing around three years ago. So I started to buy properties myself because I started thinking, why am I buying all these properties for investors and making all them the money instead of doing it for myself? Because it, it profitable-wise, the estate agents isn't the greatest of businesses, but it does present opportunities to invest for your own personal wealth. Um, so I started buying for myself, and, and as you say, I bought 34 properties in 36 months. And off the back of that, um, I put a valuer and a manager in the estate agent. So they were there to run the business. I was completely out. Um, and the plan was to be a full-time investor. But what I realized was in the months that I wasn't buying properties, my phone stopped ringing as much from the estate agents and my friends who worked in the businesses. So I needed a way to keep the, the deal pipeline going. Um, because I wasn't running Facebook ads or doing mail campaigns at the time. So I decided, because a lot of landlords were approaching us um, to buy for them, and that actually come off the back of COVID, believe it or not. I left the agency in the January, and by the March when I came back from Cheltenham, I was back in the business because of COVID, and we were working from home and everything. So give us a chance to talk to a lot of our landlords. I mean, we managed over 100 properties at that point, and... They were asking me what I was doing from an investment point. And I was telling them, and they started saying, well, do you not want to buy me another property and I'll pay you a fee? And believe it or not, I didn't even know deal sourcing was a thing then. Huh. Um, but I thought, well, this is a great – I wasn't bothered about the fees. I was more bothered about the deal flow and ensuring that agents were ringing me first. Yeah. Um, and I thought, you know, I had quite a bit of buying power myself, given how many I was buying, but – I thought if I can be buying five, ten a month, then I'm not going to be going looking for agents and building a black book of contacts. They're going to be coming looking for me. Um, so we're now, I think we're about two and a half, three years into the sourcing now. That's going really well. Um, so bought 110 properties in the last 12 months. Um, we carried out £950,000 worth of refurbs on them for clients. Um, and it just seems to be getting bigger and bigger. That's brilliant. I mean, that's a fantastic journey and story and everything like that. But I mean, those numbers are phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal numbers. But that must keep you on your toes then. Yeah, I mean, 
obviously people are listening on a podcast of the con say I do still have a full hair of head, believe it or not. Head of hair, should I say? <laughs> uh, I, sh- I should be bald right now with the stress and the pressure over the years, but I just absolutely love it. And when, you know, you hear people say you don't work a day in your life if you, you work in your passion. And pr- I was quite lucky that I knew property was my passion from a young age. Um, and it, it's just been kind of gravitating from working in property to working on properties for myself, really. Um, but it's been a good old journey, yeah. It's been exciting. So looking at looking at where you are now and everything like that, do you do you just work without do you work with predominantly investors and landlords that you know or, or do you do you take on new um new um, investors? So we work quite bespoke. There's a lot of sourcing companies out there who kind of just work from a mailing list and to be fair, they're just glorified estate agents. Um, whereas the way we do it is a lot more bespoke. You know, th- th- there's no selling in the first four or five calls with us or Zoom calls whatsoever. It's more about, I, I would like to call us more, you know, investment strategists than anything because property isn't one size fits all. Um, I would say it's like going to the gym. If you want to lose weight, you jump on the treadmill. If you want to add muscle, you start picking the weights up. And property's the same. You get so many people come in and their uncle Barry's bought 50 properties, so they think they have to buy 50. And it's not necessarily the case. And it's not just the income the property can provide you. It's also the opportunities. So I invest more in holiday lets now so that I can actually use them for myself. So it's about understanding what the kind of life goals are for the client um, and then kind of put the package together as to how do we deliver on that. And within the time frames that they want, but also based on their appetite for risk as well. Um, but yeah, we do take on new clients. Um, we're a bit more selective with who we work with. Um, we're preferred clients are out of area because we offer the hands free end to end service. So we don't just find the properties, we manage the refurbs, we do the lettings, we do the ongoing management, we manage any sales of those assets. And then we constantly review what clients' portfolios and look to maximize the value and the returns that they get. So a little bit more than a source of business. Uh, we've also branched out in a new build this year as well, um, although we're not quite sure whether we're going to continue with that line at the moment. Um, but it's it's exciting. It's a new opportunity for us. So when you started out your, your estate agency, so to speak, did you ever think you'd grow into the beast that you've got now? Every single estate agent who I work with said, you'll never make it work. Really? Every single one. And, I, and to be honest with you, I probably know six or seven friends who went as far as remortgaging their houses and literally investing their full life savings into setting an estate agent up and they've gone bust. So it's, it's a nasty old business and it isn't the most profitable despite we might be dealing with hundreds of thousands of pound properties, but mm. when you're getting paid a thousand or two thousand pounds to sell a property, it, it, it's not the most profitable of businesses. Um, so I was always told that I wouldn't make it work. And I think if anything, you know, that just made us even more determined. Um, mm. But, yeah, it's it's been a funny old ride, the estate agents. Well, I suppose as well, because they say one in three fall through, don't they? One in three deals fall out of bed. So at the end of the day, you know, it's not the quickest way to earn cash as well, because you only get paid once it's sold. So, you know, sales can take six months, 12 months. You know, they can drag on forever, can't they, as well? So it's not 
a, a quick fix, so to speak. I know a lot of people look at deal sourcing now and think, you know, oh, it's a good way to get in there. I can earn good cash flow. Now, of course, you can. But again, it's another one. It's very much like the estate agents. At the end of the day, you shouldn't actually be taking a fee until the transaction's done and dusted. So it can still drag on and take a bit of time, can it? Yeah, I, I agree with you in a sense there. I mean, you're right, it can fall through and things. Um, and it's just one of those things. I mean, you know, you look at, you know, the property market in general over the time I've had the estate agents, we've had the tenant fee ban. So, you know, that wiped, we were doing 100 lets a year. We're charging an admin fee of 300 quid. So we lost 30K a year in income that year, um, just off the fact we couldn't charge tenants anymore. Uh, we've had the introduction of selective licensing. We've got ROBA coming, the regulation of property agents. We've had the changes to the elect, uh, electric certificates and things now being mandatory as well. So there's been a hell of a lot of changes in, in the industry. Um, despite housing probably not really changing, you know, they're not building more houses more now than what they were when I first started. You've also had the introduction of the likes of Purple Bricks. Um into the industry so your online call center agents um so it's it's been strange how the business has developed over the years and i mean we've just kind of had to adapt with the times uh, as things have happened um you know we've had some really bad luck where business actually burned down believe it or not um we were burgled and were computers stolen and they decided to torch the business on their way out so well, it's been one hurdle after another. And the fact that we're still going so many years later is, is probably more testament to the staff's attitude and just what determination to make this work. And because we are all passionate about property, but we're also passionate about the people we work with. There's nothing better than saying someone who you work with get a win. You, you'll know yourself from your own coaching. It, I get more satisfaction when one of my clients buys a property than when I buy one myself. Yeah. I, I was saying that to someone the other day. Uh, I mean, I've had a lot of mental health issues and I see a therapist. And one of the things she said was you need to show a lot more kind of gratitude and gratification for, for your wins and celebrate your wins because it's strange, right? Not many people achieve that dream in life. And I was one of those who achieved it. And I achieved it at 26 year old, opening my own business. And I kind of see familiarities with football players when the careers end. So I opened this estate agent and I've hit me dream that I've been kind of focused on from, you know, 14, 15, 16 year old. But once you hit your dream, it's kind of, like, well, what do I do next? So then the dream was, right, well, I've smashed the estate agents. I've, I've made that work. That's profitable now. Now I'm going to build a property portfolio. And then I build 34 properties in 36 months. And then it's kind of right. So what do I do now? And it's like you've got to always keep moving the ball and keep progressing and doing it. But I would every, you know, when I first opened the agent, I used to celebrate when someone trusted us to sell the house. It was a big win. And then you lose that feeling as you start getting familiar with winning. And then it was buying a property. I started getting a buzz when I bought a property. And now I buy, I mean, I completed on one on Friday. My business partner sending us pictures of I drinking a bottle of champagne in the house. And I'm sat there with my feet up, eating my meal prep with a glass of water. Like, it, it, I've lost that celebration part of it. And I'm I am trying to get better and celebrate the wins a little bit, but I celebrate watching other people win because yeah. I, I know I'm, you know, I'm doing well and 
I think that's one of the reasons I started looking to venture into new build developments because I thought it's something that will challenge us. Um, and when I see those houses built and know that I'm responsible for building them, it's it's probably I probably would celebrate that. So it's it's strange because it's I mean you see everybody with the with the pictures holding keys up, don't you? Buying properties. And the, the silly thing is, is I forget to post on social media when I've bought a property, whereas everyone else is like, it's the first thing they do. So it's 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 strange because I've kind of achieved my dream twice. And most people are lucky if they ever do it once. And I think that's why you see a lot of footballers kind of go downhill after their careers because they don't then set their next dream, their next focus. And that's something that's been quite important to me, making sure I have goals and, you know, um, I'm working towards them because if you're not going forward, you're going backwards in life. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I like to also, on a caveat to that, is set your goals and set your targets, but they're not targets to be reached, they're checkpoints. And that's the way I like to look at things. That's a checkpoint. Where's the next checkpoint? Rather than, oh, I've hit that target now, what to do? But I, I'm the same. I, I, I never... Well, I try my best to do so, and it's very difficult to celebrate my own wins. When something good happens, I'm like, yeah, 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 I expected that to happen because that's what I'm working towards. Whereas other people will say, no, you should be patting yourself on the back. You've done really well. You've, you've done, yeah, 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 it's all right. But like you say, when you see somebody else do it, I'm the first one there to say, yeah, that's brilliant. Absolutely, I'm made up for you and stuff like that, and, you know, celebrating mm-hmm. that way. And I think it's just the way you're driven as well, you know, to, to, to do as much as you've done in, in the time frame that you've done it. As well, you know, if you were there every five minutes, you know, pictures of keys, you'd be posting one nearly every day, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, so I suppose that's the other side would as well. But I mean, what, one of the things was, and I mean, you probably haven't heard us speak a pin, um, but obviously I'll tell you for the listeners, this could have went completely the other way. Um, I was actually self-harming and mental health is important to us now. I was self-harming in the first year of university. And I missed two of the f- exams at the end of the year. And had I not actually opened my mouth and told me lecturer um, what I was doing at night, I mean, I was going home and cutting my wrists. Um, and you didn't you didn't talk about this 17 years ago. It wasn't a very open thing. And had I not loved property so much and this career be so important to us, I would have never told anybody. I didn't tell my mum or my dad for about five, six years after that. So I told me lecturer because I knew I had to tell them in order to be to reset these exams that I missed. Um, and obviously they, you know, encouraged us to go to the doctors. I got some support and whatnot. And, you know, it got us back on the straight and narrow. I mean, it's partly why I go out and do the speeches on the PIN network, because life is about ups and downs. You get highs, you get lows. So, you know, my highs are buying 34 properties, opening me estate agents. Me lows are self-harming, seeing me business burn to the ground, but I'm still here fighting. And it's strange how something that can be a, a loss or what you think's a loss can turn into a positive. So, for example, when our estate agents was burned down, had that not happened, we wouldn't be in the premises that we are now, where we actually have twice the space. Um, we wouldn't have been to grow the sourcing company um, in regards to the mental health. Had that not happened to me, I wouldn't be out here spreading the message in. I mean, I've had people come up to us after the pin meetings and tell us that they're sleeping rough in their car. I've had pin hoards approach us for advice on their own mental health. And I think it's something that's very current right now, where it's something that people are talking more and more about. Uh, and that's why when I was invited to speak on the pin circuit, I thought 
there's only one thing I'm going to talk about, and it's, you know, me wins and me losses, because there is a lot of people who only tell you about their wins. But mm-hmm. if you actually see my social media, I mean, I don't know if I'm a bit of a ni- uh, negative Nigel, but I probably post more about me losses than me wins, because people will learn more from what's gone wrong for me than what's gone right. And that's the benefit of working alongside me or you as coaches because we've made the mistakes that other people can avoid. Yeah. And I mean, I wish I knew what I knew now about meditation, wellness, you know, exercise, nutrition. If I could go back and speak to me 18-year-old self, it would be, you know, give yourself a shake and, you know, learn about how to look after yourself because, you know, I wasn't, I was drinking too much back then, you know, and that obviously negatively affected you know me me mental health and that led yeah. was doing stupid things yeah so it could have all went wrong had i not uh had i not actually sat those exams i might not actually be here talking about property so well, exactly. i feel quite lucky in the same sense no 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 and i appreciate you sharing that as well do you think though that your 18 self would have listened to you um it's an interesting question isn't it it, yeah. Probably yes, yes. Some days, no. The others, but I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. Possibly, um, I, I don't know. It's a strange one, isn't it? But I think the world's changed a lot since then, and I think that's that's important. I mean, you know, I, I'm still suffering today. I'm being, I'm on antidepressants right now, and I mean, I've got the world at my feet. And people will say, like, you know, what's the matter with you? You've got everything. You've got a lovely wife, beautiful dogs. You've got nice family, you've got good staff, you've got a business, you've got a portfolio. What have you got to be like miserable about or depressed about? But it doesn't matter what you've got in life, you can be depressed. It's a chemical imbalance and it is an illness. You've just got to seek help. I mean I had two weeks off with burnout in February. Um so that's the negative side of property. You can't do too much and shiny penny syndrome can strike. So I've dialed that in a bit now. I mean I've shut down my waste management company. Um, I've wound the sales side of the estate agents down and we're only really doing the lettings and management now for the properties we buy for clients. Um, I've, you know, this year was the first year where my goals were actually focused on personal as opposed to professional or wealth orientated. My goals have always been buy X number of properties or X amount of cash flow or make this much profit in the business. That's always been my goals as long as I can remember. But this year, um, my goals were to aim to have a four-day week, starting with a half day for the first six months of the year. And the only way I managed to do that was by going swimming on a Friday afternoon at 1 p.m. Because if I didn't turn that phone off, there was no way I was leaving the office. Um, the aim was to have four weeks holiday this year. I've never had four weeks holiday in the whole time I've been open. The aim was to have four weekends away. I've took the mick a little bit there. I've had 12. Um, so oh, I'm not telling you that. Um, and the aim was to buy me mum and dad a car. So they were my goals for this year. I mean, I didn't buy them a car. I went and bought myself a new house. So that's a goal that's going to move into next year. They'll probably get one next year. But that was just my way of saying thank you to them, you know. And I mean, luckily, my wife's managed to, you know, quit her job now. She's working a lot less hours than what she was. And it's it's all thanks to property. Um my younger brother now has got a couple of investment properties. My sister owns her own house. My dad's going to retire this year at 60, hopefully, um, because he's now got a portfolio. 
whereas he just had his own house paid off and fully didn't understand investing. So me learning properties, I've got a lot to thank it for because it's it is changing our lives as we see it. And I think that's why so many people get into it, whether it's pension, legacy, reducing your hours. Property literally is so rewarding and it can give you the life that y- you look for, you know? Yeah, yeah. But equally to that, money, possessions, doesn't mean a thing if you're not happy yourself, uh, which is what you've, you've said there. And, and I'm a massive believer. You've got to take care of, you know, your own mental well-being. And for people who are starting out now, and, and I was the same when I started out down the, down the sort of property road or starting my own businesses, and it's hard, but you want you want to see those results. So you're chasing the wealth, you're chasing, you know, the money, you're chasing the properties as well. But you need to be enjoying it. And and I always look back at the my, my big year, so to speak, in 2019, where I was really nailing it and, and really giving it. I, I look back, I, I didn't really enjoy that year. Uh, there could have be, been, I should have, if I had my, my mental state right, and I'd have actually appreciated what I already had, which was my family, my kids, my, you know, my loved ones around me, a roof over my head at the end of the day, uh, a bit of money in the bank. I, I could have enjoyed it a lot more. And I, I, that's why I try and help my clients and things is to appreciate and, and be happy about the fact that, you know, we're here and we get the opportunity to do this. Because if you do reach the targets or when you do reach the targets and you have the money, if you're not feeling right now, it's not going to change. It's not going to change. No, no amount of money or anything like that is actually going to bring you that happy state. It might fulfill you slightly, but mm-hmm. like you say, you, you've got to be in check yourself, haven't you? Do you know what it is, though? People talk about the work-life balance, but I think it's very, very, it, it's not thought about or discussed anywhere enough. And I was loving reading the paper uh, last week saying that they're looking to bring companies can work four day weeks. They're looking to bring that in and you can ask for flexible living because we're just finding out more and more about mental health now. But I mean, the truth is I wouldn't be where I was if I wasn't so far on the work side of that work-life balance because I have neglected friends. I have neglected family. I mean, I worked every single Saturday for the first five years of being open and I worked every single evening. You don't clock off nine till five, but I'll put that many much effort in. And I mean, I'm glad I haven't died or anything because I would regret it. That's the truth because I, yeah. I've neglected things. But now, because I'm at that point, you know, and to get the, the results you do, you do have to get a degree of imbalance there. You have to understand that you're going to neglect your family at times. And, you know, you're going to be out viewing a property on a Saturday morning because it's the only time the agent can fit you in. And, you know, it's just one of them. But if you stick with it long enough, now it's at the point now where, I'm getting that balance, you know, I'm having the three-day weekend every week. I mean, I actually decided, believe it or not, to go back to work on a Friday from July. So I had every Friday afternoon off for six months, but I've decided to go back um, because I'm quite happy with where my work-life balance is now. But it's about working towards that, you know, that dream life and, you know, having that enough figure. And Mm -hmm. a big thing for me, which is something I probably only kind of thought about probably in the last 12 months was when you do set goals, they have to be smart. So specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time driven. But the main thing there is, is if you don't hit the goal, don't get down about it. Just move it back. Set the next date that you're going to hit it by. So the fact that I haven't bought my parents a car isn't the end of the world now, whereas that would have been the end of the world to me 12 months ago. And I would have thought more about missing that goal than all the good stuff. Mm. 
So it's why I've just done an exercise last week as well. I really, I mean, people would say I'm getting more spiritual or something. I don't know. That's probably the right word for it. But reflection's a massive thing. So I, I do an exercise each year where I, I look at my life and I say, what do I want more of? What do I want less of? I do a good versus bad. And I go through all my photographs of my phone and my social media posts. And you know what it is? I thought I'd had quite a bad year. But when I reflected last week on it, the good far outweighs the bad. And, you know, I think I actually appreciate the year a bit more now, whereas I thought I had a really tough year and things I hadn't kind of, you know, I've probably had everything my way for the last 10 years. And this is the first time where a lot of things out of my control have, you know, affected me results and what I've wanted to do this year. But you know what it is? I just push those goals back the next year. If I haven't hit them, that's fine. And if I, you know, they might not even, they might be that the goals change. Yeah. So I, I, I recommend people get something called a Myra, which is a, a 90 day journal. And the reason for that is you can work on your goals in the next 90 days and you can probably achieve what you want to in 90 days. Whereas it's, if it's a year goal, you always say, oh, I'll do it later on in the year. And it's the same with businesses. Their best performance always happens to be when they're closing a the financial quarter because everybody's heads are down and, you know, their backs are to the wall and they're grafting. But if you do that over 90 days and you use something like one of these Myras, it's great because it also gets you to write in what you're thankful for, what wins you've had today or accomplishments, but also what things you've learned or key follow-ups to certain things. So, it's brilliant, and I'd recommend anybody get one. Yeah, yeah. I'm a massive, massive believer on a 90-day plan, and that's that's how I structure my my life, basically, at the end of the day, to get results and things. And like you say, if you don't quite get them, at least you're a hell of a lot further forward than you were before you actually started doing these things. And, yeah, cram things down. So I like to plan out, basically, in, in effect, five years, but then I break it down into quarterly quarterly segments and just see what I can hit and what I, what I can't hit. And you can't hit everything all the time. But like you say, particularly with a work-life balance, I don't believe there is a work-life balance. You've just got to be happy in what you're doing. And if, I mean, the old saying goes, if you, if you do a job that you love, you never work a day in your life. But at the end of the day, you're going to have good days. Even if you love it, you're going to have bad days. And we always remember the bad days more than the good days, don't we? So the reviewing is very, very powerful. Like you were talking about there, that's ideal, is to go back and just monitor it. Look at the bad and look at what you struggled with and how you overcame it. Because nine times out of 10, if you did have a bad time, you'll have overcome it over the time there. Now, sometimes you can't recognize that when you're in it because you're just your head's all over the place. But if you go back and review it, you can get some really good learnings from it all, that sort of thing, can't you? Yeah, definitely, 100%. And I think that's all it's about. We're all a work in progress, aren't we? It's it's, it's me versus me in life, basically. Yeah. You're the only person you can depend on. And, you know, you want to be getting fitter, stronger, you know, cleverer. You know, the, the aim is just to be a better version tomorrow of yourself than you were today. Yeah, And, definitely. you know, I'm sure if you, you do the right things, then what you want in life will come good naturally just because you're putting the attention towards it. Yeah, yeah. And I also think... Uh, like you said as well, now we're more open to talk about these things. You know, if, if you if you were struggling when I was younger, you were just told, pull your socks up and get on with it. You know what I mean? What's the matter with you? Whereas that's not the answer people need at the end of the day. Sometimes just being able to talk to somebody 
can help you so much. But it's it's having that confidence or that ability, maybe not confidence, maybe that ability to be able to talk to people. So I think for you, you were you were lucky that you 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 were forced into a corner, really, weren't you, to say, I've got a problem here, um, and and uh, you know I need to do these tests and things. And do you think that was quite a big turning point, being able to to speak to that lecturer about that for you? Massive, yeah. I mean, you know, completely transparent. Earlier on in the year when I had the two weeks off with burnout. And I mean, this is, I had two weeks off with burnout in February, despite having been in the Caribbean in January. So I don't quite know how them two things happen. But it just shows even if you've had the holiday, the burnout is a result of the 10 years of busting me balls every single day. But I actually had suicidal thoughts on one of the days. And that was the point I just picked the phone up and I rang my therapist straight away because, you know, nothing's worth that sort of hassling. You know what it is? It's just like, you know, if you've got something wrong, you go to the doctors, seeing therapists or, you know, going to Andy's man's club or picking the phone up to Samaritans. It's just the first domino that gets you back from being bad to being good again. And it's just about getting some momentum behind trying to sort yourself out, basically. So 100% asking for the help is the first thing. And I mean, like you say, it's better that people are open and talking about it now. And that's why I always share it, because, you know, since I've started talking about the amount of people who I've recommended to a therapist and every one of them's come back to us and said, thank you so much for doing that. It's unbelievable. But, you know, why? Where NHS is neglected in this country, there's nowhere near enough money. The nurses are telling you not to bother going through their therapist service because it'll take you weeks before you get seen. So, you know, we've got to do this privately and look after ourselves through things like exercise, nutrition, your own meditation. And, you know, you just got to work on yourself, haven't you? Yeah. I mean, well, you'll know it yourself. You know, by eating healthily, having exercise, not drinking alcohol, uh, keeping yourself in a balanced, I bet, you know, well, you tell me, does it keep you in more of a balanced state for yourself? And, and obviously, obviously, the strains of work as well. A hundred percent. I mean, you know, there's that saying, you're what you eat. Mm. I feel it. I mean, I, I eat meal prep Monday to Friday so that, I, you know, most of my meals are good over the week and nutritious and there's plenty of fruit and veg in there. And I mean, I've lost a lot of weight now. I've trained for personal trainer every morning at nine o'clock. Now I can actually afford it. Um, so I've got that accountability coach there because he looks like a sculpted Greek god. And I thought I wouldn't mind looking like that myself. So why not employ him? So, I mean, you've got to. So you, you eat bad, you feel bad the next day. You have too many bads, you feel the beer blues the next day. So it's 100%. I mean, I find now. I meditate Monday to Friday every single morning. But I tend to neglect it a little bit on a weekend, and I actually feel it. I feel different because of it, because I haven't actually cleared my headspace. So that's something I need to make a bit more of a conscious effort to do it on a Saturday and a Sunday morning, because it is literally only 10 minutes of my time, but it makes a difference to how I feel. Yeah, yeah. And I think and if it works for you as well, then you've got to do those things, haven't you? I found meditation because I'm, I'm very busy. I think we all are, you know, very busy in our heads and everything like that. So to take that time, that even five, ten minutes, if nothing else, I'll try and at least do a breathing exercise for five minutes and just just sit in a, in a room on my own just to do that. Because it does, 
it, it sort of slows everything down. It gives me a bit of clarity. It makes me feel pretty good about getting on with whatever it is that I'm getting on with, whether that's business, whether that's family tasks or whatever it is. But it's finding that balance and that what, what works for you as well, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I, so I'd recommend anybody gets the Calm app. It's about £10 a month or something. I mean, there's meditations that are as short as a minute. And believe it or not, it actually makes a difference when you do it. I do that midday sometimes just to reset myself for the rest of the day. But the big thing about this is, and you know, the whole thing about wellness is we're supposed to try to be present in everything and appreciate the moment, live in the moment. Um, you know, like copy DM sees the moment. And but it's funny because in property we're always talking about where do we want to be in a year, three years, five years. We're always living in the future and reflecting on the past. So it's hard because all day, every day, I'm talking to clients about the future plans. Yet, in order for me health to benefit, I have to try to remain present in the now. So it's 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 strange, and I suppose you know it's one of them things, isn't it? It's it's just something that you got to learn to live with, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Is well, I think you need to practice it. I think it's one of those things, you know, anybody, it's taken me years to actually get journaling, to get gratitude, to get meditation. Uh, and I've, I've gone and done it and then I've stopped and then I've gone and done it again and then I've stopped. And now, I, you know, it was really last year, 2021 was was a, a full year of making sure that I have this time scale. I have a time block every morning that is my time block and, and that never changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, family sometimes get in the way. And like you said, at weekends, it can be difficult to try and do that. So I might shorten it down, but it's about reading, meditating, journaling, uh, and just having a bit of my own time and my own space. And that's made a, the world of difference in in my own health, uh, in my own sort of well-being, and also in my businesses as well. Mm-hmm. No, it's completely right. You got yeah. it off to number yeah. one. So, I mean, f- talking about you know being present and everything like that, and moving on from that, what's what? What are your sort of future plans? What, what's Tony striving towards? Uh, you know, obviously, you've got a lot of properties at the moment, but w- when will Tony say, "Well, enough's enough on that front"? Well, that that's a big thing. I mean, if anybody's heard a speaker pin, uh, the Lucinas talk about you know what I consider one of my greatest deals was my block of flats I bought. But I've actually just disposed of them to reinvest the funds because it was a good time to cash out on them as well. I think I got a premium on the price. Um, so the whole point in that is to reinvest the funds more into the likes of holiday lets. Um, because if it's now getting that bit more balance and, you know, trying to finish earlier on a Friday so I can spend more time with my wife. And I mean, I love going walk out, walking with me two Springer Spaniels. I want to have more holiday lets, and I think long-term, the appreciation I see on those will be better than, for example, those cheaper buy-to-lets that I had. So, my portfolio is evolving um, in that side. I'm kind of focusing on regeneration areas um, where I see a lot of growth in Newcastle. We've had things like the takeover, which is going to be massive for the city, and there's a giga plan that's going to be £3 billion or whatever up the road being built. So, I am trying to invest around these regen schemes, um, but also looking more into the holiday lets and HMO side of things. Um, the agency's evolving, so we're now more focused on our investors and what we offer them as opposed to working for Joe Bloggs, who sells his own house once every 10 years because there's no repeat business and there's no relationship to build. Um, so that's more about helping my clients there. Uh, I've got a joint venture going at the moment where we're going to build our first two houses, which I'm quite excited about. Um, so 
that we're literally going through finance applications on that right now. And what I'm excited about that is it's a completely hands-off for me. Um, I've JV'd with a planner and a quantity surveyor and one of our investors. So I've got a share in this development, yet I've got none of the responsibility. So it's probably my first ever hands-off investment. Although I did source the land, you know, through contacts and whatnot. So I suppose for me, I'm kind of, I don't really have any big goals or anything really now. Um, I've hit my cash flow goal that I wanted. I hit that back in January of this year, which was before me aiming hitting it by the time I turned 35 in July. And I was aiming for £10,000 net income per month. So I was quite happy. In fact, I was over the moon to hit that. Um, but I'm just reinvesting the funds because property is about changing you know, my family's life. I mean, again, anyone who's heard us talk will see where I come from. You could get a pair of flats for a pound where I grew up because um, it was that bad an area. Um, I've got friends in prison and who've died and whatnot. So it's about trying to change the future of my family, really. And I mean, I had to stay at home to, to when I went to university because I couldn't afford to go to Redden, which was the only other university that done real estate. Um, so I don't want me 13 nieces and nephews to have to make decisions about their passions and what they want to do in life based on financial decisions. If they want to go to Oxford, they'll go to Oxford. If they want to go and, I don't know, trek, spend a year travelling, they can. Unlike me, where I had to work through university. So I want to change that for, you know, the future generations of the family. So now the aim really is to, you know, keep ramping the cash flow up. So, you know, I'd love to start covering things like my sister's mortgage and, you know, make sure my mom's all right because, you know, she's got dodgy knees and things like that. And just start to give back to my family because, I mean, you know, I have the nice holidays. I've got the nice car. I've got a good house. I've got everything I really need in life now. I don't need any more money, really, because obviously I've got the businesses which pays salaries. So now it's about seeing how I can help them in the extended circle um, and seeing how I can uh, how I can improve their quality of life because they've done enough for me over the years. Running, doing viewings at five minutes notice because we couldn't do one myself and things. You know, it really has been a family business, so they should see some of the benefits. No, I think that's brilliant. I think that's really, really nice. And that gives you sort of a higher purpose as well, because it's all right doing stuff for us, but there can only be so much, can't there, at the end of the day. So being able to give back and help others has got to got to be really, really re- rewarding for you. And and it's 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 a nice place to be. I, I, you know, a lot of people want to be in those positions to be able to do that sort of thing. So I think that's great. I think that's really, really nice. So I like to do a bit of a quick fire round where I ask you a few questions and it's more out of interest for me than uh, anything else. So if you're all right with that, I will uh, ask you a few questions and I'm always interested. Fire away. Cool, cool, cool. So what's the best advice you've been given? Never ruin a relationship with anybody. You don't know when you'll encounter them again in, in another point in future. That's good. I like that. I like that. That's good. Good, good, good. If you were still in the corporate world, um, what job do you, would you like to do if you weren't working for yourself? If I wasn't working for myself, I think I'd probably... That's a hard one, that. Uh-huh. I don't know. I suppose I'd probably still be a valuer in an estate agent because I just love the seeing houses and the meeting people and 
helping them out and that's it. So I'd probably be involved in that or something to do with property auctions, probably. I think that's where my passion's always been. Cool, cool. I like it. There's no wrong answers to this, by the way. <laughs> um, if you could sit down with three people for dinner, dead or alive, who would you like to sit down and chat to? Tough on this. Got your thinking. Definitely, definitely Tyson Fury. Um, Donnie Brasco. Okay. He's the FBI agent that went undercover for the Pizza Trials with the Mafia. He'd be interesting, I think. And. Oh, who else? And I'd have to say Bobby Robson because I love Newcastle as well. Okay, fair enough. Good table, good table. I like that. That'd be a lot of fun, wouldn't it? I think so. Um, Obviously, you have your own podcast, which is called... Property Talk on the Time. Property Talk on the Time. So other than, of course, your own podcast, are there three other podcasts that you like? Yes, I love listening to Dan Hill. Uh, the property entrepreneur, I think he's absolutely brilliant. Uh, very, very unique view on things. Um, they're not all. Does this have to be property related? It can be whatever you want. I like listening to the comedian Chris Ramsey's podcast as well with his wife Rosie Ramsey. That's quite a uh, funny. Um, hmm, the third one. I don't really. I'll, I'll probably. I'd probably say Ted's talks because again, I love hearing people's stories. Cool. And cool. obviously, I I've like got it. to put yours in there, haven't I? You know, yours has got to be in there somewhere as well. That's probably going to be first. That's quite clearly that you don't listen to mine, then. <laughs> no, yours was yours was a given, wasn't it? That had to be in there. Well, it's got to be in it. And we, I had Dan Hill on recently as well, so I hope you listen to that one. Yeah, she's she's a good guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. And lastly, what are top uh, three books? It can be audio books or normal physical books. Would you recommend to people, or have you got a lot of value from? Again, it doesn't have to be anything to do with property, unless you want it to be. So I think probably my favourite book is the Four Hour Work Week. I just think that's absolutely incredible. Um, the the mindset and everything around that is to you know thinking outside the box to get what you want. I think that's really good. Um, what else? Quite a, a different split. It would probably be Hustle Harder by 50 Cent as well. Okay. You wouldn't expect the content you get from that, um, but it's related to his story as well. So that's quite a unique one, but it's, it's good for people who are in business. And, and I've got to say the one thing, the one thing is incredible. Yeah, yeah, that is a good book. That is a very good book. I like that. That's really, really good. Thank you very much. Uh, 50 Cent one, I've not even thought about that one, so uh, that's worth checking out. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Cool, cool. I will have a look at that. Well, I was going to say it's been fantastic to have you on the show uh, and share your highs, your lows and everything, and, and appreciate, you know, you've spoke from the heart and everything like that and shared a lot with us. It's uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on, and, and I'd love to get you back in the future as well if you if you want to come back and, and share more, and we can chat more as well. I'm obviously always conscious of people's time. Have you got any any last things you'd like to share with us before we wrap this up? 
No, not really. But if you are interested in the Northeast, then, you know, hit us up. I'm across all social media. It's Tony Fairs or Anthony Fairs. And, you know, one failing point on the mental health side, I do genuinely mean it. If anybody wants to reach out, wants any advice, me phone or me social media are on 365 days of the year. I can guarantee I've more or less been through probably what you're going through. And if I can offer any advice, hit us up. I'd love to help. Oh, that's really nice. That's really nice. Well, we'll put any of the links that uh, Tony's spoken about in the show notes, as well as a link to his podcast as well, which is well worth checking out. Um, but it's been fantastic, my friend, to have you on. Thank you ever so much for your time. You're welcome. And, Anytime. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. So as always, everybody, please make sure you keep focusing on your vision. Keep chasing those goals. Look after yourselves. And bye for now.